What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like Stockton. Just joshin'. I'm spendin' this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. Hi there. Making their debut in the podcast universe, I am your host, Homer Simpson. <laughs> I'm just playing. My name is Aaliyah Joseph, and I am a millennial Pisces hailing from the United States Virgin Islands. I am an educated woman. I am creative, a little funny, and most importantly, I am a woman on a journey closer to God. I have been taken to crazy places in the last couple months. Um, Something phenomenal and outrageous happened to me. And if this is the first time that you're hearing my voice, congratulations to you. God bless you. (laughs) You have saved yourself a large chunk of your time. And uh, a great many of you um, have heard my voice before, have heard my name before, um, and have heard the acoustics of my car before. And so I would like to dedicate this introductory episode to taking back the safe space of my car. Um, I figured before I locked myself in my closet or adjust my room acoustics um, or buy a fancy podcast mic... Since this place is um, the place where most of my greatest hits went down uh, (laughs) online, um, I would like to put some positive energy back into this space and do some reflecting and um, share my truth with you, not for the purpose of vindicating myself or clearing my name, but to save a space for the really substantive and intelligent discussions that cropped up from this ridiculous situation and to encourage more substantive discussions about cultural phenomenons or the things that affect us lately. So in essence, the aim of this podcast is to highlight substantive cultural issues and invite a more informed discussion on difficult topics. Basically, I will discuss my take on a, on the cultural temperature about something in the hopes that one of the lofty titles or authorities on the matter pick it up. And ideally or idealistically, whichever one you go with, <laughs> begin to steer the culture in a better direction as far as our paradigms about certain situations or a cultural attitudes toward certain people or places or events and um, move the cultural attitude toward a more solutions-based or at least a more informed conclusion about different things. Um, So in essence, um, this first podcast is going to be about post-traumatic growth and um, inspiration and about how Sometimes God directs you, if you're as hard-headed and as stubborn as me, God will allow you to hurt yourself or fail um, until you get it right. Because sometimes discipline can only come in through learning to put your faith in God and um, to trust in Him. I started this whole thing as um, a diehard people pleaser, like keep my mouth shut in the interest of everybody's feelings. Um, I was very censored and filtered online. And um, I have entered, I have come, I'm coming to the conclusion of this situation as somebody who has kind of 
run the gauntlet between being afraid to speak up and someone who has spoken up a little too much and has had to rein it in and is hopefully coming to a place of a nice <laughs> compromise or reconciliation of the two between being um, a person with a deep, deep need to stick up for themselves and... Um, a person who is needing to choose their battles. So, um, let's, uh, dive in here. <laughs> so this whole situation started with an awkward moment. I can say that much. Um, the awkward moment where you are a friend of someone, a best friend, you have a best friend and they have an ex-boyfriend, whether it's from a fresh relationship or an older relationship. I think both are either, are, both are awkward either way. Um, you have this, uh, ex-boyfriend of a friend who is, um, making a pass at you, right? Um, in that situation, it is very difficult for all three of you to walk out of that situation feeling, you know, great and not uncomfortable. Um, at the very least, you know, worst case scenario, all three of you are uncomfortable. Best case scenario, it's just it just happened to you. And um, my people pleasing ways forced me. Well, my people pleasing ways incentivize me to kind of tiptoe around the issue, kind of brush it off, you know, but laugh it off, laugh the advances off um, until there was, until I was forced to actually address it. So um, the first reflective point that I would like to um, pose to the wise women in the space um, or the earwaves is if you can really think about it, what is the most successful way that you have let a man down easy? Because if you really sit and think about it, there is no way that you can let a man down easy and he stays down. Usually whenever a man is attracted to you and he feels that um, he should have you, it's really hard to kind of get those feelings to turn off or um, stop. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, you, you try the nice way, you try the nice approach and it doesn't work. What is the most successful way to let a man down easy or to get a guy to just cut off being, um, knock off being attracted to you? Um, like I said, it's not an easy situation to deal with. And my instinct was to avoid it. Tiptoe around the situation until I can't tiptoe around it anymore. And so I brushed off those advances and I told no one about it until... That crush um, and that inaction grew into like a little bit of resentment on his part. And um, I noticed we we work closely together. And so I noticed that he would um, be whispering. I would hear, um, you know, whispers around the workplace that of my single girl activities. And, you know, um, not only was I confused because this is absolutely like none of his concern or none of his business, what I'm doing with my self, you know, I am going to curse on this show. It's not going to be a lot. It's not going to be, I'm not going to curse like a sailor, but I am going to throw in a little bad words because, um, like I said, being filtered, being ultra filtered is not the wave, um, for me. That's not, it doesn't fit me very well. So where I'm from, that's called watching your pum pum. Like, why you watching my pum pum? Why you 
that ain't got nothing to do with you. So, but you know, as long in my mind, as long as someone is not bringing something to me, like what, which, whatever you say around here is none of my concern. As long as you know, it's not a direct issue that you think that you can confront me on. You know what I'm saying? So I tried to ignore the situation and, uh, What I have come to find is that there is no, like I said, there's no widely acceptable way to let a man down easy. A lot of women, you will find that a man will leave you alone only if he learns something that makes you unattractive, number one. Either it be that um, you don't shave or you... um, you have ugly toes or something that makes you unattractive if he learns something about you that makes you unattractive for me it's been all about my scent and when I tell you for a stranger's passing me in the grocery store taking whiffs like what is wrong with y'all like you don't know how it feels to be walking in the grocery store and literally have somebody walking by like like what is the matter with you let me tell you something i do grocery delivery on the weekends and let me tell you something if you power walked for about 25 to 30 minutes lifting cases of water and such and you stopped for about a good 20 minutes for drop-off delivery and then you continue doing that on and off, on and off for about seven hours to six hours in the day, you would smell like a kid too, or you will smell like whatever you're consuming, whatever you're going through. Trust me, you are going to smell. It's like a gym workout that you do six different times in the day. You do a light gym workout on six different occasions during the day within rapid succession of one another in short bursts. You're going to have an odor. I don't care who you are, bro. Like, so that's one of the things that stuck out with me. That's fine, bro. (laughs) That's fine, y'all weird. That's cool. But back to the story. Um, uh, like I said, a man will only leave you alone if he learns something that makes you unattractive. Number one. If you are taken by a more powerful man or a man that can overpower him or beat him up, number two, or if he is taken by another woman or distracted by a woman, number three. And unfortunately for me, it was not, it was not the latter two. It happened to be the first one. And this man was saying everything there can be said. And it, and what was baffling to me is that this had nothing to do with him. Like, I'm not sure why he had the issues that he had. And another thing is that he was talking around a lot of other males. And the thing about guys is that when they sit around each other and get around each other, they kind of feed off of each other's energy and it becomes like a whole thing. And it gets to the point where they can grow into like a a echo chamber and they start believing their own hyperboles and nonsense. And, um... So that was happened. I had ignored the situation and I had practiced avoidance up until the situation where I had um, somebody who was absolutely not romantically involved in me. I mean, we had never even so much as 
sent each other a kissy face on social media messages. We had never even so much as made rosy eyes at each other. None of that. Like we had never had, I had this man who had no rights to me, no claim to me at all, feeling angry because I just wouldn't confront him. And, um, it had gotten awkward to the point where I was considering just going ahead and leaving the job. Like I, I didn't want to work there anymore. Um, there were other things in my life that was kind of pulling me in another direction. Anyway, you know, I, um, so I had kind of fast forwarded the transition out of a really good, nice, warm job. Um, but before that happened, I had decided to tell a friend before she had heard it through the grapevine because um, I'm a very transparent person. I'm an open book. Um, if you ask me, I will tell you. Sometimes I overshare, but it depends on who I am oversharing with. In that situation, like I said, I was holding off on my best friend's feelings. Avoidance again. I was holding off on my best friend's feelings because I knew it would hurt her. I knew that if I told her that, you know, her ex-boyfriend was looking at me or making hard eyes at me, she would be hurt because number one, she was away from the situation. Like there was no way to kind of hold him accountable. Like they, they didn't see each other all the time. We did. And so I could see it makes sense for their, for her to think that there would be a possibility that we would it would be very easy for us to be engaged with each other. The situation had gotten to the point where me and this mutual friend were no longer mutual friends. Um, he had gotten to the point where he was being disrespectful behind my back and talking like, you know, de saying degrading things about me and all of that. And like I said, he never opened his mouth to me. And so I'm like, you know, however you feel is however you feel but this is ridiculous like I don't need to be here hearing you lose your mind um out the corner in within earshot you know um so I had told her about the situation you know I was tr I tried to be as com as transparent as I can like you know hey we've been beefing you know I've been feeling like your ex-boyfriend has beef with me and I think it's because he likes me and I'm not giving him any play. And um, she listened understandingly, but I could tell and I could feel already. You can just kind of feel the energy in a room. And I thank God that I grew up to be, I grew up as a sensitive child. You know, I was always trying to confront or trying to sort out feelings <laughs> because I could feel when something is off. And I could tell that um, the grapevine had beaten me to it. And she had already heard about the little unspoken beef between me and her ex-boyfriend and she probably had already made up in her mind how the story went how we had probably talked and it didn't work out or something like that and had probably settled on the fact that I was going to come and try to cover up something and that's cool but that broke my heart because the backstory about me and the friend is that um we had had problems with miscommunication in the past and I had already told myself, like, the first the first situation was already kind of bad. And so I told myself, like, this can't happen again. And if it does, I have to make up in my mind to cut this person off. Like, this cannot be my friend. Because in my mind, there was no way that I was going to do that to my friend. And my friend was wrong for even thinking that, like, who do you take me for? Basically, I was kind of hurt because I felt in my mind that she should know that I would never do that to her. And, um... 
instead of having that conversation with her and instead of kind of confronting her about the conversation that she should have had with me, I just decided to cut that friendship off. Like I had just decided I had, um, this year was a very pivotal year since January, not since, not just since March. Um, I had decided I'm a very spiritual person. I'm a very God fearing woman. And in January, on January 1st at midnight, I was very dramatic about it. I was very poetic. I went to the lake and um, I made up in my mind that this was a year that I had stopped playing with myself. If you knew me before the situation happened, you and if you knew my situation before the situation happened, you would know that I was a poster child for self-sabotage at its utmost finest. I was... <laughs> I had problems. My I had held up my career just out of self-sabotage, imposter syndrome. I had held up so much, so many parts of my life kind of playing around with myself, kind of running away from myself, twisting myself up in little unconsciously way, unconscious ways, trying to get away from what I had to do. And this was the year that I was going to put that all behind me and um, grow up and do what I have to do. Um, I made the very mature and very hard decision to cut off that relationship, like leave that job, leave that relationship. You know, if if this is the story that you want to go with, then fine, but I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. And that was that. And I left that situation thinking that that was over and done with and those people are going to have to feel however and it doesn't even matter. And um, unbeknownst to me, that would come back and haunt me very shortly after. So um, I had left the job and was making arrangements to transition into another job, um, a little bit more career oriented and a little bit more relevant to what I want to do with my life in the future. And this is when the social media phenomenon happened. I had finally gotten to a point after a couple of weeks where I was comfortable to kind of crack a joke about it online and tell friends about it like, oh my gosh, this awkward situation with my ex-best friend, you know, um, and all of that. So I had casually posted about it one day. No names, no details, no specifics, nothing. And I got an immediate message, an unknown message from a text-free number. Um, and it was my ex-friend, like, telling me to knock it off, telling me I look goofy, telling me, you know, karma is dealing with me and you don't want me to make a problem with you. And basically, she was, this was the point in the whole shebang where she was pushing for an issue. Like, I had... I had realized like, okay, she was still upset. And not only was she still upset, like she she wanted a little back and forth. She wanted a little word tussle or whatever. And so I just kind of ignored her. Um, a little out of spite. You know, I knew I knew that she would feel embarrassed if I just ignored her. And I knew that if I had just let her see how ridiculous she was being, maybe she would wise up and knock it off because she was a very prideful woman just like me. But I'm going to tell everybody else about it. And I know she's watching. Um, I had blocked her off everything. I wasn't sure how she was watching. Some fake page somewhere. But I knew she was watching. So I spoke about it just laughingly. Like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. You know, like somebody 
come look at this, you know, thinking that she would be embarrassed and just quit it because we both have better things to do, girl. Like, what are you doing? Basically, it did not go that way. She, um, the situation, the situation intensified. Like, of course, I had just shamed her, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the situation escalated to the point where I was angry because I knew what this was all about. Like, this was... This was not, this was not about me talking. This was, this was just a little old pent up anger from the situation. Like this was negative old feelings about the situation. And you're just pushing, you're, you're, you're basically following behind me, trying to poke me to get me to say something. And my hot tempered, hot blooded West Indian behind gave her a reason and (laughs) I I like to think of this moment as um in one of Dave Chappelle's comedy specials he had made a joke about how a crackhead had ran up on his property and um he had a loaded shotgun with birdshot and buckshot birdshot is basically you know sand or whatever made to incapacitate your target and buckshot is actually you know, that's the one that'll take it out. So we're escalating online with the back and forth. You know, she's supposed to be blocked, but I'm already so heated, you know, checking on her to see what she's up to. And because I miss my friend turned into checking on her to see if she's still stalking smack about me. So I'm like, I'm over here giving my attention to the situation. My attention is completely off of what I'm supposed to be doing with my life and myself and my career because I am already upset that this this situation has spread like that. My name was kind of circulating within the little circle, the community of people that I worked around um, and a little part of my social circle. Um, I don't really have I don't keep a lot of friends I'm a very introverted person um and all of my friends are different not all of the birds flock together I have never lived like that I'm sorry I don't click up I can't imagine life with somebody a friend that was just like me hopefully it's a good thing but I've never met a girl that um thought like me or acted like me um before all of my friends have been completely different and have contributed to my growth as a whole person in different ways and that is kind of how the situation was for her so my name was circulating but I wasn't really worried about it because it was circulating in a closed environment it was circulating amongst the people that I knew didn't really know me that well and that was fine because you know who wants to talk about a stranger all day long like okay that happened you know This person has a friend who got into a little whatever, whatever. So in my mind that this this is still something that I can avoid. Turn my back away from, turn the other cheek, give it to God, you know, (laughs) all of those fabulous things. Um, But then within an evening, the conversation, the back and forth, I got so bad online that I told her, if she doesn't quit talking smack about me, like I'm I'm going to actually if she don't quit lying to people about me, I'm going to actually tell the, tell the truth about her. And um I knew I had secrets about her and bad things would happen. At this juncture, I am feeling like white hot anger, like pure anger, rage, like why are you even doing this? Because in my mind, I know the original issue. 
I know that this is just compounded anger, compounded anger, compounded anger. And so, and I know that this is all a misunderstanding. And I know that in order for her to get anyone to side with her, there has to be untruth set. Like I know in order to get people to arrive at the same conclusions you're arriving at, you're going to have to embellish that story a little. And so I was angry about that because, um, you know, who likes to be light on, right? So I warned her. I, I set off a little warning shot. Bird shot. Stop. Or I'm going to tell the truth about you. And I knew that the things that I had to say about her were bad things would happen as a result from it. And uh, the scenario was going to go, I was going to let something fly, one thing fly. And she was going to have to, you know, she's, she was going to be distracted from that. She was going to have to mend that situation, mend that relationship. She would see how grateful she is to have, you know, not lost two but one relationship in one time and then that would be the end of that there would be nothing said no more lies whatever whatever that is not what happened what had happened was I divulged one personal thing about this person and apparently something had followed that I wasn't aware of after I had spilled that secret I didn't feel good about it. I took it down after a couple days. Um, I deleted the post. Um, and I had just resolved to never seek this person out again. Never talk about it again. Just move on like nothing happened. Try to pick up the pieces. Um, because the whole thing was very hurtful and traumatic. Like I had lost two friends. One to a misunderstanding and another just because life is unfair. You know, <laughs> like... And um, I was just trying to put all of that behind me um, and transition, just finally get to where I was supposed to be in my little goal schedule for the fall. And there was a quiet period. I knew she was going to take that and feel sorry about it, but not so sorry because it was the truth. You know, that would just have to be what it is. What I had not considered was that she was going to take that thing that I did, that thing that I said, that that thing I had assumed that we were we had sufficiently embarrassed each other. It was good. We were fine. <laughs> like, you know, you had your say. I had my little say, you know, and that was that. What I had not considered is that somebody who has wanted a problem with you or somebody where secret animosity is had been building and building whenever they get what they want from you they are going to ride off into the sunset with that shit like they are going to go far she and she this person took that and she ran far with it and this is another reflective question here. Um, I'm a little old school when it comes to social media, and I think most millennials are too. The way we were brought up to be social media efficient, and um, basically, I was brought up under the training or the paradigm of you want to protect your social media hygiene. 
you want to protect your brand on social media. You don't want to post anything disparaging about yourself. You don't want to post anything um, extreme or that can be used or twisted against you. Basically, if it's anything bad in your life, if it's something that people can use against you, you don't post that on social media. Um, and I think that somewhere at some point, probably during the pandemic or after the pandemic, there became a point in time where it was actually, it became more beneficial to actually put more moments on social media. It became detrimental to keep things off of social media. Basically, if you did not have those vulnerable moments, those low moments, if basically you could be punished now for not providing enough information. There has been this growing sense of entitlement among social media where people feel like if you are holding back or if you are limiting the information, then you are trying to present as false or you are trying to present as untrue or you're trying to present as perfect. And I hated when that was the notion or that was the attitude generally about me. I hated that because in my head, you know, I'm an open book. If you ask me a question, I will answer it truthfully. You know, there is nothing that I was hiding or keeping from people. And I had never presented myself to be balling out of control or fine as hell or, you know, the sex symbol or the symbol of Christianity or religion or success. Like I... In my head, I knew I had never put out my put myself out to be any of those things. All I did was I was obedient to the rules of social media, which is you post the good news, honey. You don't <laughs> you don't post all of that negativity. You know, you don't tell people that you had a bad day. You don't tell people that you were depressed and that you're still thinking about your great grandpa. Like you don't post that because that that those are things that people can use against you. And I'm not a person that likes empathy or pity at all. And so, you know, and the people with only good news on their social media feeds and on their profiles had become a target and were seen as fake and bad. Like, oh, you want your life to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going through it. You fake. And it kind of creates a target on your back for negativity and jealousy and hate. And um, for people to call you a fraud, like <laughs> I had not known how I was contributing to my own demise in that situation. And the thing about social media is that it's not a spread. Rumors don't really spread on social media, does it? They spray. They they hit the air and they circulate and they permeate the air and they linger. You know, they they don't they don't stay among the people that you spread it among. Like it's uh it spreads exponentially and it spreads instantly and the more Everybody loves a good old, it's not exactly, everything isn't what it seems. Everybody loves a story like that. And so I think that it was attractive in that way. And the more I ignored it, <laughs> the more, 
the more I gave it to God and the more I ignored it and the more I tried to just keep my eyes off of it, it'll eventually go away is the worse it got. The more it's, it felt like the more I tried to be positive about the situation, the more I try to shine light on it, the more I try to hint to people like, no, this is a misunderstanding, like these are lies. The more they dug in to misinformation and the more they dug in to being unreasonable and just kind of mean and hateful. And the nightmare about the whole situation is watching yourself blow up. Like this is, <laughs> this is becoming a hellscape now because I am, I, so I, at this point I'm already angry. Um, you know, I gave it to God for a couple weeks. Now I'm trying to control the situation. Like, because this is not, this is taking a little long, you know, <laughs> like, no, like, let me control this narrative. Let me try to take back my narrative because that's not me at all. That like that person that you're hearing about, those are lies. Like, so I'm trying to gently nudge people in the right direction. And so slowly people are starting to open their eyes to the fact that like, okay, this story might not be adding up in some parts or this story is not making sense in other parts or there isn't evidence to prove that she's this type of person. I am going to open this one for religious leaders, right? I'm going to open this one for everyone who is a little bit more in tune and a little bit more confident talking about the Bible and your take on the Bible um, than I am. Where do you draw the line between putting your faith in a situation and meeting God halfway? Because in my head, I know I have to put my faith in a situation when I can do nothing else. There is nothing more I can physically do. That's when at that point I stop meeting. That's when I have to start putting my faith in God. I, once I know that I have work to do everything that I possibly could, then that's where my job ends and where my faith in God begins. And in that situation, I knew in my head, everything in me was telling me to leave it alone. My family was telling me to leave it alone. My friends were telling me to leave it alone. So I'm trying to control the situation. And in the beginning, it's easy to think about all of the things that you have to lose if you do it wrong. You know, in the beginning, when you hear people talking about you, you're like, mm, I'm not even about to come off as angry or hurt or upset. Like, I'm not about to lose my shit on y'all. Like, I'm not even about to do any of that but after two weeks after three weeks after four weeks you become weary and you get tired of seeing people eat up lies and you get tired of seeing people who know you do this on purpose or do this because it's something to do now, the very interesting part of this, and I'm not even, this is not some ply for pity because like I said, I, I, I hate pity. Like, um, I don't like pity at all. So watching like associates and peers kind of pull away from the situation and distance themselves like, um, that, that girl, like, I ain't talked to her in a long time. <laughs> like, watching close friends and peers 
pull away from the situation like mm, nah like i understand exactly where they were coming from basically we're we're 20 somethings we're about to be 30 somethings we have real things to worry about it's post pandemic people are still kind of struggling to get by and i think after the pandemic there has kind of been like this unspoken undercurrent of uncertainty about the economy after the pandemic and what was palpable for me witnessing this or being like the target of cyberbullying is how much unbridled and unprovoked hate was out there like um everybody likes to see a friend fail right everybody likes to see a friend kind of fall flat on their ass sometimes i'm kind of stunned at how far that this has spread and how long people were interested in engaging with this topic and picking it apart and kind of and kind of dwelling on it and letting it sit and fester you know until it had rotted to the point where it's like somebody left a bowl of fruits in the car in the middle of summer and just purposefully keeping it there and watching it get rotten and more and rot and rot and watching it get worse and worse and flies are starting to buzz around and there's a stench now and there's ugly mold and now the fruit is breaking down and it's juices you know the 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 juices that run out of the fruit you know the crude juices kind of oozing into the seats it's like somebody purposefully leaving a bowl of fruits in in a small space on a hot day to bother you about having to deal with it and the more this bowl of fruit sat on my timeline the stinker it just got stinker and you know it started going from a little dark or crude humor or insensitive jokes to being completely debasing like it got inhumane for a little bit um and it got to the point where it was bringing me to tears every night like i would i would look at them i would look at the comments and i would be like wow like i can't believe they are talking about me like this. Like, I can't believe that there are strangers that think of me like this. I can't believe that these are people that went to my college. Like, these are people that went to my school that are talking about me like that. You know, it got to the point where I was crying myself to sleep regularly because I had never in my life been referred to. Nobody would ever come and talk directly to me crazy, which... I thank God for because I swear to God, like there were moments where if anybody had approached me, like I probably would have done something ridiculous. Like there were moments where my anger and my emotions were so palpable and so on my sleeve that anybody who kind of just gently bothered me or gently did anything or or made me insensitive in any way just got the straight truth like I had no patience or no tolerance for anything like that so in at this juncture we are getting to a point where we're getting inhumane and why are why is this getting to this point because I have a lot of pride and you know I had ignored it and ignored it and so it got worse and worse and worse because the whole point the whole mo is to get me 
to embarrass myself online, right? Like it's this big practical joke where I feel, you know, there's this person in secret telling, telling people to drop hints, encouraging people to drop hints so that I could be distressed or so that I can say something out of the way and embarrass myself or whatever. So it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And why did it get so bad? Because what is the most effective way to keep a woman in line? I will give you five seconds, everyone. Did you get it? It's shame. Good old-fashioned shame. You shame that unruly, powerful bitch into submission until you get her to sit down, put her head down, and act right. That's how you get to a woman. That's how you diminish a woman. And unbeknownst to me, I had sufficiently ignored the situation between men and women to the point where they were feeding off of each other. So, you know, the men would say something about it. This is where this originally began, men. So (laughs) the men would say something about it, baseless, disrespectful, and then it would irritate the women that the men are paying so much attention to it. And so it became a a sport of diminishing me to make everybody feel good about themselves. I had absolutely stopped posting altogether. And um, after a little while, I had kind of left the apps alone. I deleted all the apps and I was like, you know what? This is going to go away in due time. I'm going to leave it alone. This is bad. Like, this is bad right now. I can't believe I'm here. But, you know, give it to God, leave it alone, and it'll go away. And it went like that. You know, I reluctantly did that for a couple weeks. But after a couple weeks, I realized people started following me. (laughs) I noticed um, strange strangers moving kind of strange around my job. Like, I work in the community. So this issue on social media has gone viral. So now I have to see what people are saying because why why are there people around my house and at my house? Like what what in this story is making y'all come and how are y'all seeing where I'm at? You know, this is so none of this is making sense in my head. I'm trying to figure out what is the new stimulus to make people still give this attention to the point where they are following me around. I'm back on social media. There's there's more slush. There's more nonsense. And I'm trying to fight back with like subtle hints about the situation and like words of wisdom. And people are people are picking up my words but it's still like this game like this sport of you know we we on her right now and we not getting off of her no time soon so whatever it's whatever and it just got worse and worse and worse and um the thing about watching my friends distance themselves from me is that it, it becomes it becomes kind of a sinking you get the sinking feeling to know that like you're not you're 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 not gonna have any help with this like I'm a private person and so I've never had like a group a support group like I'm the friend that you call when you have an issue so I'm a private person all of my friends that I would call about this I would never call I don't have anybody to argue back and forth on social media for me because the friends that I keep and the friends that I want to keep don't do that like they don't engage in that type of behavior 
So I'm I'm going through this. I'm just watching this unfold by myself. I'm not telling any of my peers because I'm just I'm embarrassed. Like I don't and um you know after a close encounter with um one of the strangers and my client um where nothing happened or no altercation or anything like that. They were just a little close and um I work with special needs people and um people with disabilities do not like to be stared at. And so um, I was forced to, you know, kind of inform her about the situation and um, tell them, assure them like these people, they just want to laugh. Like these aren't violent people. Like they're not going to, I don't, I'm confident that they won't try anything. They won't do anything. She was comfortable with the situation. She's like, nobody's going to mess with me. So I'm just concerned about you. Um, and in my head, like this was a big deal. This was embarrassing. This was starting to affect my work. At this point, I think I am four weeks in. I'm at my wit's end. And everybody has caught on to this story from my neighbors next door to, to people around my job that I don't even have conversations with me. To people around my old job that don't even have conversations with me. To people on Facebook. And what's pissing me off about the situation is that it's like it it seemed like everybody had found it there was more of an interest in keeping it a secret from me than to just tell me what's going on and like stop the spread you know take care of it like everybody thought I, at first i kind of got the sense that people were guarding my feelings about it but then I saw that eventually there was just a greater interest in keeping this nonsense going for entertainment purposes. And like I said, everybody, there's the only thing people love more than a rising star is a falling star. And this was such good entertainment. This was peak TV. I mean, the amount of news and subjects and content that has past came and went and my this whole situation on social media has eclipsed so much content and social matter and I'm trying to understand you know me in my regularness and my commonness I'm trying to understand what this is all about like why is this so uncommon why are people still talking about this how are people saying these such accurate things about me like it wasn't just accurate from old stories about old friends you know people basically just talking for their little 15 seconds of attention or whatever it was starting to get to the point where people were talking about what i was wearing today what i was doing today this the the state of my pores on my acne today um my emotional state today um all of that like and I started at first I thought it was like this large conspiracy against me like how could everybody have a secret and nobody want to tell me like I'd, and what was also difficult for me to deal with was that this situation which I had progressively made worse every time I tried to handle it or put a lid on it myself everything was all started by this person who had meant the world to me and that was already kind of hard for me to deal and to deal with and 
what was difficult for me to reconcile in my head was how much this had already grown before I understood that it was a problem and how many people were comfortable with allowing this to like grow that I thought would never have been comfortable with seeing me go through something like that. But in reality, as a grown woman, these people didn't owe me nothing like and the only thing I could do was take that information and use it accordingly. Like, okay, that's not who you are. That's cool. Like, you know, that's that's how I kept approaching it. Like, that's how I kept making it make sense in my head. Like, that's just not how they are. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is still fine. Like, this is still fine. Still, like, denying myself. This is fine. You know? Like, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> We're all right. So, um, after a couple of weeks of following around, after a couple of weeks of hearing people wanting to beat me up and ride my car, uh, after hearing my neighbors be weird about the situation and like get hot up in the feet, like after, after seeing this spread to the point where this was next door, like I stay in a little gated townhouse and this situation had gotten past the gates of the little gated community that I was in. So I decided that the best thing and the smartest thing to do was to leave before, you know, they started following my family around, before they started digging into my mom's business and before before this before the target became my family and the people that I love I had to get away from it if everybody's eyes on me then I need to be as far away from my family as possible because I don't like to bring nonsense or mess or any inconsistent people or or chaotic situations around my people because in my mind, I'm a grown woman that's embarrassing. That's not for them to deal with. That's not for, that's not anything for them to worry about. In this story so far, you have heard me go from a very pleasant person who has tried to follow the rules and has basically walked on eggshells to the point where I could not, the eggshells got thinner and thinner to where they were paper thin. And I had to see, I was only making things worse. And you have watched me put people's feelings first to the point where there was nothing. I had no option but to do exactly what I had to do. You have watched me give an impossible situation to God and lose my faith and try to pick it up myself. You have watched me move to protect my family from hysteria. And you have watched me allow unspoken situations to absolutely spin out of control. In the next episode, I hope you will join me for um, the second part of this. After I relocated um, out of the city, out of this beautiful city that I loved, I unfortunately, the situation didn't stop there. And unfortunately, I realized that it wasn't going to just take avoiding these people. It was going to take very deep changes within myself so at this juncture, we have a few questions for the wisdom around or the wisdom in the airwaves are what is one widely accepted or what is one surefire easy way to let a man down easy? Where do you think the attitude shifted in social media where limiting information was now unpopular and 
and oversharing or humanizing yourself, so to speak, on social media became something that makes you that something that's more beneficial than actually trying to be private. At the end of every episode, I'm going to take some time to basically shout out God and how he moved me through situations and how he can move us through situations. So like I said, I try to give the situation up to God. Um, and every time I lost faith or every time I tried to get a handle on it myself, I was basically, fa- I basically failed tremendously. Like I, I basically ended up doing more harm than good. And I am learning the way that my relationship with God works, and I am I'm so grateful that um, I have always had the courage to have a personal relationship with God. My relationship with God is such that if I feel a sign, I'm I'm just beginning to get old enough to listen to signs or slow down to see synchronicities. And what I'm realizing is that I'm hard headed, and whenever God wants me to pay attention, or whenever God wants me to act right. He lets, it has to hurt. I mean, he has to, sometimes I have to get knocked around. Like sometimes I have to be shown how bad it can get to understand why I need to change my mind or think about something in another way. And at every turn, I decided to make it worse and worse and worse. And if you give me a little bit more of your time in the next episode, I can tell you how I finally got my ancestors and God to twist my arm into actually acting straight and doing straight and to stop seeing this as a self-made hellscape that I had created and started seeing this as a tremendous opportunity and everything that I had, in fact, asked God for on January 1st. So thank you for listening to me ramble for my first episode. Hopefully this will be a little bit more tight and organized in the next episode. And I am going to return back to my car for uh, episode two. And I am eventually going to add video and makeup. I am actually, I got a little bit of looks too, but I don't want this to be about my looks at all. I really want this to be a conversation and I really want you to think about the subject matter and um, the social issues here um, and about how things were able to get as far as it was able to get. And it was able to get pretty far. Um, It was able to get to a remarkable level. And so join me in the next episode. Um, I wish you guys the most beautiful day. Join me in the next episode. Bye.